Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. Hey everyone, it's Mark Sheldrick, National Director of Precept Ministries in Canada. Welcome to our podcast on fatal distractions. Before we start, I just wanted to let you know a few things about this particular podcast. This was originally recorded as a part of a webcast that we did a few weeks ago where I was joined by our new Associate Director, Derek Kamink. He's the other voice you'll be hearing, so if we mention anything referencing the simulcast or a download, that's what we're referring to. We know that the schedule can get really busy, so we wanted to make this teaching available to you so you can take it with you wherever you go. The full video webcast is available online if you want to watch it. Simply visit our website, preceptministries.ca. We hope you enjoy this podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Let's go uh, into 1 John chapter uh, 3, and and we've been doing a podcast on 1 John, so I thought it would be really good for us to uh, focus on 1 John uh, for a few minutes uh, as we kind of look at these things that are um, fatal distractions in our faith. Now, before we go to 1 John, when you hear the word fatal, what do you think about when you see hear that word, it's not good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that that thing that ends you, that that stops you from living. <laughs> you know, and um, so we need to make sure that we understand what those things are, and uh, develop a discipline to make sure we're not we're not falling into those traps of fatal distractions, those things that that take us away from life, which is taking us away from uh, from our God who gives us life, and that's what these distractions will do. They'll cause you. Uh, to stumble will cause you to turn away from God. So we're going to go through some of those and uh, we're going to make sure that uh, we understand what they are and, and what Scripture tells us about how we can, um, how we can combat those in our, in our lives. Right. So, uh, you know, these are the things that wreck us. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, some of these things that we're going to look at, I don't think they necessarily uh, wreck us um, like, you know, kill us immediately. Right. Yeah. But I think that they kill us spiritually. Exactly. And that's kind of what we want to look at. First John, in, in the podcast that we've been doing, Unlocking the Truth, mm-hmm. that you can get on our website and listen to. Derek and I have been teaching through First John, mm-hmm. rotating and talking through the scriptures. First John, uh, written by John, he is probably one of the most blunt authors yeah. in uh, in the Bible for the very fact that he just lays uh, out the line of this is a Christian and this is a child of the devil. No gray area, no middle ground, no room for interpretation. It is, it is what it is. Yeah, and if you were to study the entire book of 1 John, I mean, we have studies on 1 John, but you could study 1 John and uh, mark the word no with a K all the way through Mm -hmm. the scripture and then write a list and you would have a full list of everything that would help determine whether you're truly, truly a child of God or not. Mm -hmm. Chapter three though, uh, gives us some tools to look at and some information to look at the first 11 verses that, uh, if you downloaded the scripture passage, uh, you want to have that out. I'm going to read through first John uh, the first time. I'll have Derek read through it the second time, uh, verses 1 to 11. But we want you to uh, use a pencil 
because it's because we like to do things inductive you know we want you to mark things in the text and slow down and and follow along first John 1 to 11 uh, we're gonna look at um, two words to start off with and uh, the first two words are um, children and sin and so I'll read through you um, follow along in the text and uh, we'll go through those 11 verses uh, draw a box around children and uh, then draw squiggly line basically scratch out the word sin and if you want to do that in red you can because uh, it's also the same color as blood mm -hmm. so sin usually is leading to um, problems right yeah okay verse uh, chapter uh, 3 verse 1 says see how great a love the father has bestowed on us that we would be called children so you put a put a, um, a box around children children of God and such we are for this reason the world does not know us because it did not know him now you might be thinking to yourself right here should I mark us yes mark us because that is a reference to the children of God. <laughs> Beloved, now we, we children, we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, he will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Everyone who has his hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Verse uh, 3, everyone and himself children. They're children of God. Uh, look at verse 4. Here, here comes a contrast now. And uh, in, in your um, observation worksheet, you can always tell a new thought when the number is bolded. And, and now he's changing. He's taking a turn here. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Why not scratch out sin and lawlessness as sin in that verse. You know that he, Jesus, appeared in order to take away the sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. Uh, the one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Did you get the children in verse 7? And then the sin in verse 8. All right, look at verse 9. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God he who's the he it's the child of God by this verse 10 the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God nor the one who does not love his brother uh, for this is the message that we uh, which you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another and then it goes into an example of Cain and Abel but we want to go back to verses 1 to 11 and Derek uh, read this time and you're gonna mark the word righteous circle it or draw you know draw a big R 
over the word righteous. And then uh, circle the word practice. So a big R over righteous and a circle over practice. All right. So go ahead and read through. All right, starting back at verse 1. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because, he, because we will see Him just as He is. And everyone who has his hope fixed on Him purifies himself, just as he is pure. Everyone who practices, make sure you mark that practice, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins, no one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. For this message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Good. So we've got four things marked. We've got children. We've got sin practices and righteousness. Mm -hmm. uh, chapter um, 3 verses 1 to uh, 6 um, really tell us about the children and there's five things that tell us uh, about the children of God and if you want to get uh, more detail on these five things jo join the podcast mm -hmm. and check it out because we've covered this in very much detail but uh, quickly I'll tell you five things that uh, you, you know you're a children of God. Chapter 3, verse 1. It is a privilege to be called a child of God. Um, you know, the God has bestowed that on us through the work of the, of, of the cross. By our um, belief in the gospel, we become children of God only through Jesus Christ. Then um, uh, when chapter uh, 3, verse 2, um, when Jesus returns, we will be like him. So it's a privilege to be called a child of God. The second thing that we know about children of God is that one day we will be like Him. Mm -hmm. We will be um, in His presence and we will be like Him. Uh, the third thing is children of God have their hope fixed on Him and not on the world. Mm -hmm. And we covered that in the podcast as well as uh, really deep uh, discussion. The fourth is children of God do not practice sin. Mm -hmm. Children of God practice righteousness. And um, then the, the final one is um, that children of God 
are obvious. Mm -hmm. And that kind of brings us into uh, a cross-reference that we want to look at. But uh, if children of God are obvious, children of God do not practice sin, uh, children of God have a privilege because of the work of the cross, children of God have their hope fixed on Jesus, children of God um, will be like Him. You know, these things are what drive us. This is the engine that drives us in our in our lives as believers, and and one of the things that believers um, uh, try to do, new believers, they try to say to themselves, "Okay, now I'm saved. I have to be perfect. I'm not going to sin anymore." And and uh, well, he John addresses that in chapter two, verse one. It's so that you may not sin anymore. The reason, one of the reasons he's writing this, but. There is a difference between practicing sin and falling in transgression. Mm -hmm. And we should probably set that line right now because uh, the practice of sin is fatal. Yes, it's, it's that ongoing, habitual, unrepentant, knowing that you're doing wrong and doing it anyways mm. type of sin. Yeah, David talked about that in Psalm 19 about um, the sins that I know uh, acquit me of the sins that I know I am doing and yet I still do them. Mm -hmm. You know, you know it's wrong, but you do it anyway. Yeah. And and so uh, and and you don't you're not repentant. Mm. You're you're doing it, and it's it's a full rejection of what you know to be true. Uh, but you go ahead and you and you do it anyways, and you find joy in it. Mm -hmm. And and uh, so, if 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 you have a um, practicing sin in your life, this is this is where the line is drawn. Like, if you still desire and find joy in practicing the sins of uh, your past, are you truly a child of God? And so, uh, it's these conquering these destructive things. And and you know, when you become a um, a new Christian, it doesn't mean that the temptations of those right. things go away. They're still there. Mm -hmm. You just need to know how to how to battle and That's beat right. those things. So um, let's look at Romans because uh, Romans again, I think, gives us a clear line of who um, uh, believers are and those who are are not. So Romans chapter one. And uh, let me read through 21 to 32 really quickly here. And you've got that in your handout. Just underline the following things. Look for uh, what man exchanged and what God gave them. Okay, so man exchanged and God gave them. And, and chapter 1 is, you know, that chapter where we, we all know uh, Paul... Um, speaks about how he's not ashamed of the gospel, but he tells us what the gospel is. It's the power for salvation. Uh, in it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. But we also realize that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. uh, child of God, child of the devil. And so he's now giving this drastic difference. And what he says in Romans, he says, since the very beginning of time, uh, it was evidence that God 
was um, creator and in charge of the world. So even since the beginning, his invisible attributes have been visible to man, and therefore man is without excuse mm -hmm. that, um, that they didn't know what right. was right and what was wrong. Right. So uh, verse 21 says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God, or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. This is the ungodly. This is the unrighteous. These are the people that choose not to recognize God for who he is. They were professing, verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So Derek, what it just explain for a moment what did they exchange here what what's the ex great exchange Romans tells us they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image a form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals so they they took what they understood to be God the incorruptible image, the glory of God, and they exchanged it for uh, an image of man or bird. So they went from worshiping God to, to worshiping something or someone else. They were to worship idols in, in the form of what was created uh, and not the creator. Right. So anything that uh, they brought worship to, um, you know, wooden objects or mm -hmm. anything like that. And so this is worship. Uh, exchanging the worship and glory of God for the worship of things that man has created. Uh, I think Exodus has something to say about that. I'm a jealous God and don't create anything before mm -hmm. me. Uh, look at verse 24. Therefore God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. So what did God do? He just gave them over to that. Like he gave them over to um, what they were kind of already desiring. Look at verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served creature rather than the creator who blessed, who is blessed forever and amen. So can you imagine exchanging truth for a lie? Oh. And, and this is what's happening in our world right mm -hmm. now. This is why these temp people fall to these fatal temptations because, uh, all we can do is, well, I'm saved now. I walked the aisle. I'm good to go. I have a position in heaven. I don't need to live a righteous life. And that's not what is happening. You're taking truth, putting it aside because it's not as comfortable mm -hmm. as it is to live for um, my own desires. Right. Look at verse 26. For this reason, because they exchanged truth for a lie, God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned their desire toward one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving their own persons due to penalty of error. Listen, people watching this thing, does this sound like 2018? We're in this right now. This is homosexuality this is this is gender issues this is the the movement of the lgbtq you know whatever they're titling themselves now this is what's happening here when you exchange truth for a lie you're given over to the desires and this is 
this is our world. This is what we live in. Yeah. And, you know, we're up against these battles right now with, with the Canada Summer Jobs Program. Mm -hmm. If you don't agree with these verses of what happened to these individuals, you can't receive government right. funding. And then uh, verse 28, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. So not only did they have the truth, they knew who God was from the very beginning. They exchanged his glory. And what did God do? God gave them over to that mindset. And look what comes out of that mindset. And this leads us right into the fatal distractions. They're filled with unrighteousness. They're filled with wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and all they, although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice these things are worthy of what, Derek? Death. They not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Ladies and gentlemen, those who are watching this webcast, 2018. This is 2018. Exchanging the glory of God, exchanging the truth of God for the depraving of the mind. And this is where we're at. This is where our culture is. This is where our country is. And we're falling deeper into a moral decline as we go. Religious churches, organizations, I believe in the near future will be under attack because we do not support these things that are not truth, that they're not a part of um, the glory of God, and, and we're headed in that direction. And this is why it's so vital for you and I to understand the line between a child of God and a child of the devil and really have a handle on those things that cause distractions, those temptations that if we fall into them, we can be destroyed. Mm -hmm. We can't practice uh, sin any longer. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul said in Romans 2, he said, you know, these people said, well, we got to keep on sinning so that grace may abound. Right. So the more we sin, the more grace the more comes. Grace we get. And he said, may it never be, you know. And so uh, we've got a Bible study that um, we want to talk to you about. And it's called Fatal Distractions, Conquering Temptations. And uh, this is a six-week Bible study, no homework. But this covers a lot of um, really important uh, pieces of information about um, some of these, uh, these deadly sins mm -hmm. that can lead us uh, down the wrong road. And uh, I wanted to quickly show you um, an example of a distract in, distraction in the scripture. And uh, I'll have Derek read um, first, or Second Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 to 6, and, and, and just pay attention to what uh, these people uh, and what happened in, in Second Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. Mm -hmm. So just to set a little bit of context, the um, the ark is bring, being brought back to Israel. Um, it is it is on the road, and we pick up kind of as it's as it's going. Uh, so now David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, thirty thousand. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God. 
which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart, that they might bring it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio and the sons of Abinadab were leading the new cart. So they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was, which was on the hill, and Ahio was walking ahead of the ark. Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir wood and with lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the ox nearly, oxen nearly upset it. And the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and God struck him down there for his irreverence, and he died there by the ark of God. So uh, Uzzah, this is really a, an interesting story in the scriptures. Uh, Numbers chapter 4 talked about the ark and uh, who was to, um, you know, take care of it. It was only the uh, Levites, the Aaron, and nobody was to touch it. Yeah. Touch it, you die. You're done. And, it's uh, fatal. It's fatal. So, you know, here they are, but, you know, what's what's go, what's in the ark? You know, the Ten Commandments, you know, you've got the, the rod of Aaron. And we were in Israel, and we, we saw the... Uh, like a mock or a model of mm -hmm. the ark and and uh the guide was teaching on the ark and right. i was like don't touch it because <laughs> you'll die but that was hears that every day i'm sure he does <laughs> and and so but you know what you've got is you've got uza who's he you know he's sort of caring for the fact that he doesn't want the ark to fall on the ground right and yet he touches it because he's trying to make it right and he dies for it. Yeah. And I think one of the keys in that is um, the commands of God are more important than the sort of the box. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what is a slight distraction as well mm -hmm. when we see things like, oh, no, no, we can't let this thing go. Mm -hmm. and, and when we try to hold on to that item or whatever it may be, we... Mm -hmm we um, forget the holiness right. of God well, and he the was, commands He of was well-intentioned, but his focus wasn't on God, right? His focus was on this physical box. Yeah. That, that's what was more important than the commands of God. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the thing is some of these things we're going to talk about, uh, they, they creep in, mm -hmm. you know, these temptations, these distractions. They're not always... Uh, visible and right there before you and so uh, you don't always recognize it. The yeah. first first one we want to look at is um, these kind of distractions, these things that can be fatal, that can um, if we fall to them can be troublesome. The first is pride mm -hmm. and pride is one of those things that your pride never lets you realize you're prideful. That's right. Does yeah. it make sense? You know you're always um, not allowing yourself to recognize that you are uh, arrogant. Yeah, if you, if you describe yourself as humble, <laughs> chances are you might be a little prideful. I'm the most humble guy it's you'll ever pride. meet. Yeah. Pride. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that pride isn't something that you just gain. 
I think pride starts with a bit of confidence, mm -hmm. you know. Hey, I am uh, reading my Bible every single day. I'm studying God's Word. I'm learning a ton. And all of a sudden, uh, your knowledge of God's Word turns into, oh my goodness, that pastor, he cannot mm -hmm. preach, you know. And yeah. he's always, you know, I need to go and tell him that he's wrong. And, and um, you know, sometimes there can be a case where, you know, the minister is not mm -hmm. uh, preaching uh, God's Word accurately. But our pride um, doesn't allow us to, uh, it, it, it puffs us up and right. makes us think that we're above above everybody yeah. everybody we start else. To, to position ourselves in places that we do not that we do not belong yeah and so pride can affect how we live for the Lord mm -hmm. and how are how can it affect the way we live for the Lord well it, I mean scripture tells us that you know that God hates pride it's one of those things that he uh, that he just can't stand and uh, the more we think about ourselves and the higher that we place ourselves the less we think of others and um, you know we, we read in even in uh, in first John it says that a, a true son of God a child of God loves his brother mm -hmm. uh, but pride can make me feel like I'm better than you I'm more important than you or I'm smarter than you uh, and that that begins to distance us as brothers in Christ um, and so we need to be careful that we're not thinking of ourselves uh, higher than we than we really should I mean, at the end of the day, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. Uh, just because Mark knows the Word a little bit better than me doesn't mean that he's a better Christian than I am. Actually, it does. No, I'm just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, let's be realistic here. Uh, pride is very hard for you to recognize, but it's very easy for others to recognize. Mm -hmm. And so my hope would be that people would come and come alongside and say, you know, you're you're being prideful, you should probably, you know, check yourself before mm -hmm. you wreck yourself. But there are um, scriptural truths that help us to combat pride mm -hmm. and how to deal with pride. Um, first Peter, I believe, I just want to look quickly at First Peter, and I think it's First Peter. And uh, we were looking at it in our Bible study uh, as a staff this week on humility as well. And... Um, First Peter chapter five. Is it even in that book? Um, no, that's not it. Second Peter, I think. But what he says is he talks about knowing uh, your role and putting yourself under the mighty hand of God, mm -hmm. and that's in uh, Peter's letters. and And uh, I'm sure I can find it. But uh, First Peter, he talks about just knowing your role, knowing your position, and uh, submitting under that. And that's also in First uh, Peter chapter 5. And that, that comes from knowing who God is, understanding the, the character of God. And when you, when you know who God is, it's a lot easier to submit to Him when you understand, um, you know, who He is and what He's done for us and the, um, you know, who, who His sovereignty, His character. And it's so much easier to then say, yeah, God, I'm going to let you take the lead on my life and I'm going to follow you instead of me trying to figure it out for myself. Yeah, First Peter chapter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time. Mm. And so 
Uh, I've got in the margin of the Bible, know your place, know your role. And uh, that's one. Philippians chapter 2 uh, was another one. And uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 3, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Mm -hmm. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. And then Paul says, Have an attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he's existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with man a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. So uh, you want to combat pride, you combat pride by the following. Don't do things out of selfish, uh, selfishness or empty conceit. Think of your brother highly than yourself. And then the other thing is, well, if you need an example of that, uh, look to Jesus, because Jesus left heaven, came to earth, made, became a man, put himself on the cross, and uh, uh, died for our sins. Yeah, so, he, was, he was the highest there could have been and became the lowest mm -hmm. uh, for a purpose, to show us love. And, um, and that's the example that we have and how we are to be with one another, that we're to humble ourselves in order to help others. Yeah. The second... Uh, Second distraction. What's the second distraction? Anger. Anger. I don't have any problems with that. Me neither. Don't <laughs> don't ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so anger is another one that uh, um, can be a fatal distraction, and just how we react when um, as believers. Mm -hmm. Now, let me ask you a question, Pastor Derek. Yes, Mark. Is it okay? for Christians to get angry. Yes, it is. <laughs> and getting angry or being angry is okay. It's, it's how, we, how we act when we're angry uh, where the problem comes in. Um, and there are, there are things that we should be angry about. Uh, we should be angry about sin. We should be angry about injustice. Uh, when things happen in our world where, where innocent people are hurt, that should make us angry. Uh, God has given us an understanding of what is right and when we see something that's not right, we should be angry about it. Um, but it's where we need to be careful is that when it's between, uh, between individuals, when it's between people, if Mark's done something to hurt me, instead of me being angry at him and being hostile towards him and allowing bitterness and unforgiveness to, to settle in, mm. um, I need to make sure that, yes, I'm allowed to experience anger, but I don't treat him any any worse or any different because of my anger um, in Philippians we were studying and it says uh, to let your gentle spirit be known and it, it talked about it was defined as, as, an, as a reasonableness uh, that we act reasonably even when we are angry you know anger is an interesting thing as well because it you know when you, you when you blow your top like when you're like the kettle you just gonna yeah. explode um, Anger, why, why can it be a fatal distraction is one of the reasons is because is it actually can lead you to sin. Mm -hmm. And the way that anger can lead you to sin is if you are um, hurt by another person, which, you know, that, that happens a lot in yeah, the church. That's a reality. Where people get hurt by another person. Where anger leads to this fatal uh, sin is when it leads to your desire for revenge. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and Jesus talked about the eye, an eye for an eye. 
But the other end of that as well is anger creates this attitude of, I just don't care. Mm -hmm. And when you just don't care, you fall back into your sin pattern because of a frustration that you've had. Mm -hmm. And so it's so important to grasp anger. And uh, Ephesians chapter 4, be angry and yet do not sin. Mm -hmm. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Mm-hmm. I can remember that verse when when uh, Jessica and I first got married and we, you know, when you're working out all the kinks of a new relationship, mm-hmm. you're always like, Bible says you can't go to bed That's angry. Right. <laughs> Stay up all night fighting. <laughs> yeah. So the, um, the key is I really think that one of the ways that you can combat anger is to have a heart of forgiveness mm-hmm. and know that God will take care of um, that injustice mm-hmm. and, and you just give it over to the Lord and don't allow sin, your anger to lead to a path of sin. Mm-hmm. Let's look at another one. This is a uh, number three. Uh, so pride, anger. What's the third one? Jealousy, envy. Mm. You know, envy uh, or jealousy is a tough one. Mm-hmm. I have this neighbor... And uh, hopefully he's not watching. But he, <laughs> hopefully he is watching. Maybe he is. Yeah, he has the best lawn, you know, in the summertime, and I'm pretty sure he trims it with scissors. Yeah. And uh, like, you gets know, out there all night and just fluffs it up. Yeah. And, and I look out at his lawn, and I look at mine, and mine has pretty yellow flowers, and um, brown spot. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself. <laughs> Why can't, like, I have that one, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, then uh, that's a form of jealousy and envy. Yeah. yeah. So what else, uh, what are some other avenues of, of life in this world that can lead to jealousy and envy? When, whenever we're looking at, at what someone else has and we're jealous of that, whether it's uh, the new car or the nice house or... Uh, a better job, or they make more money than we do, or they they have nicer things, or uh, you know their kids are are better behaved. You know those sorts of things they they cause us to to feel bad about ourselves, but they also cause us to to begin to not like that person that we see them in a different light. That our attitude towards that person changes instead of us going well. Maybe I need to change something about me. We go well that person. You know. And then we try and find faults with them. We try and find things wrong with them to take them down a peg to make ourselves feel better. Hmm. And our attitude changes to a point where where we begin to sin, where we're not loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're looking for ways to uh, to harm them or to hurt them or to make them look look worse than they actually are. And it, it goes. It doesn't take long, and it's not hard to get there, especially in our own minds. Um, and it leads us to to a sin a sinful pattern in our life. Yeah, and jealousy. Um, you know, a great example in the Bible of jealousy is uh, Saul mm-hmm. and David, and uh, when they were praising the the kills that David had, and Saul didn't have as many. That's right. And then Saul, when basically that's when things turned, and and uh, 
Saul decided, uh, my son-in-law, I'm going to kill him. Mm -hmm. And I mean, uh, half the book of Psalms is written because of uh, David and, and what he had to go through against yeah. his enemies. But uh, uh, one sign that you're struggling with jealousy and envy in your life is when you take delight in another person's failures. Yeah. And, and, and just let me reiterate that one more time. You take delight in another person's failure. Yeah. I mean, that's to find see somebody that's not having success and you find joy in that because uh, now you're doing a little bit better than yeah. than they are. Your heart's turned against them. And yeah, we, we can struggle for, with jealousy through uh, successes, uh, money, power, and, uh, you know, and it, and it leads to coveting and, and so many different things. So get, your, get a handle on jealousy. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but for the interests of others. Mm -hmm. And I think you can combat jealousy when you're not always thinking about yourself. That's right. Yeah, any other scriptures maybe that the book tells us about how to combat jealousy? Um, it's always it's about focusing on on others instead of focusing on yourselves. Mm. Well, now we got to come to a hard one, and uh, we're too bad we're not out of time. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little bit left. And and this this fatal distraction, um, I think, in this day and age that we're living in, is um, a more difficult uh, mm. subject to talk about because. Um, of tolerance and acceptance and things like that, but it is gluttony, mm -hmm. and and uh, the book is um, very clear on gluttony. So, do you want to share what what gluttony is? Yeah, it's it's about the overindulgence. It's about going into excess. It's not. I mean, it is about eating, but it's not just about food. It's it's about satisfying the desires of the flesh in excess, in an inordinate amount. Um, so a lot of times we get, you know, we'll just focus on, well, I don't eat too much, so I don't I don't suffer from gluttony. Mm -hmm. But but there are other areas in our life where uh, where we cannot or it's difficult for us to um, to exercise self control and we allow ourselves to be uh, to be taken in uh, and to overdo it in certain areas. And the problem with gluttony is that that then becomes our focus. Again, we take our focus off of God and we put it on that thing that we are trying to get more of, that we're trying to consume more of, that we're trying to amass more of for ourselves. And that's why it's called, it's not called a deadly sin, it's called a fatal distraction because it, it just sort of takes our focus on, off of God enough that we start to uh, to turn away from him and walk away from him. Yeah, and I like the insight box in this study that talked about gluttony as being something that um, you uh, crave or you um, something beyond what you what need, you need yeah. demanding more pleasure from something than it was actually made for. Mm -hmm. And uh, remember we talked about the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil? Mm -hmm. In the world we see um, that as an example because if you spend time and you know I played uh, um, semi-professional hockey but I also have friends who are 
uh, non-Christians. I have family members who are non-Christians. And some people that I, in conversations that I hear, especially when I worked in the secular world, Mm -hmm. was um, about how drunk they got Mm -hmm. and uh, how um, they just love... I had a brother-in-law who used to brag about getting passing out on the side of the road and and I'm thinking to myself like when when you drink that much alcohol that you cannot function and your body cannot work anymore that's gluttony. Yeah. The same way that from the standpoint of food that when you eat 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 so beyond what you actually need mm-hmm. um then uh, you know you struggle, and and I can just quickly, by testimony, tell you that when before I served at Precept, I was I was a pastor, and I weighed three hundred pounds because of just excessive excessive eating. Mm-hmm. And and uh, why it becomes so offensive is I had a pastor tell me one time, you know, you're living in sin because you're so big. And uh, you're a te- you're, you should be taking care of the temple of God. And that frustrated me more than it actually caused me to want to uh, become physically fit. But what happened from that excessiveness that I had in my life was I couldn't even do stairs with my son mm. or run around with my son. And that was a realization for me that something's not right in my life. I need to get it right. And so gluttony can be in so many things like you it's just amassing things beyond what you need yeah we do that with material things too but we're going to come to that one as well let's look at another one so how do you deal with with gluttony first what does the bible tell you about dealing with gluttony how do we combat gluttony and um Proverbs 25, 16, have you found honey? Eat only what you need that you not have it in excess mm-hmm. and, and vomit it, you know? So just just kind of realizing, okay, well, what's beyond what I actually right. actually need? Yeah. All right, the next one. This is, a, this is the teenager's disease. <laughs> Laziness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so being a sluggard is another fatal distraction. Mm-hmm. What... What define it for me? Define a sluggard, or does the book design uh, a little bit? Slothfulness is laziness, an unwillingness to work, a lack of self-discipline. It's a sin of doing nothing or as little as possible. Um, does that sound like today? Yes. <laughs> uh, we've, you know, I was when I was in Israel, uh, we were looking at um, how. The, they believe that they built um, the first temple, mm-hmm. how Solomon built the temple, and then how Herod built the temple, and how when in Herod's time, or sorry, in Solomon's time, they would have moved these large cement stones uh, by placing logs down and um, moving them with oxen and, mm-hmm. and raising them with a pulley system and, you know, doing all this work. Then there's another interesting thing called Hezekiah's Tunnel where they wanted to bring water from one place to another. So two men dug um, holes on either side, chipping away at the rock. And um, then they met. 
And you're looking at, in this day and age, we're trying to find technology to make everything so much easier so we don't have to work. Right. And uh, or make it more efficient, mm -hmm. and and you know what we're finding is eventually I think we're going to be losing jobs where people actually have to work. Like right. you know, look in the grocery store. Amazon's already got a grocery store. You don't need a no people to there. work, but you know, working hard for the Lord. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, my favorite pat, uh, verses: As the door turns on its hinges, so the slugger turns in his bed. Mm -hmm. You know. You know, just like I'm not getting up, I'm not doing work. And there was one about um, go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision for the harvest. Mm -hmm. Ants work hard. Yeah, even and the I, bugs work hard. And I think we are called to work hard yeah. as believers and be an example in the workplace, not taking the easy way out. Mm -hmm. Um, Colossians talked about that, how we work and and we work as though we're working for the Lord and Lord. not working for man, and that would change the way we work. Absolutely. And so how do you combat sluggardness in your life? You work hard. Yeah. And you work uh, really hard. One more to go. We got five or six minutes left. All One right. more to go. And that last one is... Greed. Greed. So talk about greed. An excessive desire to acquire or possess more than one needs. Not limited to um, a fixation on material wealth, but could also include a pursuit of power and a pursuit of position. Um, and so, so greed is simply just getting more. Not being satisfied with what you already have. And looking for ways to amass more and more and more for yourself. So it could be money, it could be, um, you know, the big house, the nice car, it could be that, um, you know, that promotion that you're working hard to get that promotion so that others will see you in a different way, that you'll get the respect that you think that you deserve, you'll have that position and you'll have power over other people. And it's just a focus and a pursuit on uh, on more of things that you don't actually need, but you just want to have. Hmm. And the thing is, with greed, I'm going to lay this out for you as I'm opening my Bible to uh, a scripture. If you want to look at, uh, open up to um, 1 John 2, 15, uh, to, to when we wrap up. But listen, listen carefully concerning the... Um, distraction and temptation of greed you will never ever ever be satisfied by gathering more stuff mm -hmm. there there is no possible way that you can keep buying things and collecting things and amassing things and be happy and and the reason i say that is look at hollywood look at celebrities who have millions and millions of dollars you know, multiple expensive cars. They have huge mansions. Mm -hmm. uh, they divorce like crazy and they commit suicide. So if greed was the result of, of true happiness, mm -hmm. true contentment, then why are these people taking their lives? Why are they um, wanting to leave this earth when they have millions and millions of dollars, they have multiple um, 
houses and cars and all of that stuff because mm -hmm. it's not the answer. That's right. And and so uh, greed, that that's one that even Christians can easily get um, sucked into yep. is just um, trying to uh, hold on to our money. It's not wrong to, um, you know, have an RRSP or a retirement plan or any of those things. But First uh, John chapter 2, we're going to look at that in a minute. First John chapter 2 talks about it and um, uh, uh, Colossians chapter 3, Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you also once walked, and when you were living in them. Listen, when you are struggling with greed, the things that you desire, those earthly things that will rust up, that you can't take with you, that will stay here forever, that break, that, you know, you buy that TV and you're so excited about that TV and next day there's a new model that comes out. Like it, mm -hmm. it's, it's depreciated in its value the moment you put it in your house. So um, having issues with greed, what it leads to is it leads to taking your worship off of God the Father and it exchanges worship for God the Father for the idol that it creates. Mm -hmm. And you begin to worship money. And, and so when you worship money, you don't worship God. And when you worship money, you don't give money to God. Mm -hmm. And so all of these things lead to uh, struggle. And, and listen, you may give money to God, but you don't give money to God. Mm -hmm. And 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, I want Derek to read that and listen to, again, these signs of a child of God. Uh, or sorry, verse um, chapter uh, 2, let me just make sure, chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 15 and, and 16 and 17. Listen to what uh, John tells us as a sign of a child of God. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, does not love, does not, how does the love of God abide in him? Read, read the next verse too, or the next two verses. Little, 18, little children, let us not lo love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. We will know, we will know by this that we are of the truth and will assure our heart before him. Can you imagine that? One of the ways that we can confidently know that we're children of God is when we are open and aware to meeting the needs of our brothers. Mm -hmm. And when you suffer from greed, you do not recognize the needs that are around you because mm -hmm. you are only focused on your own desire to amass mm -hmm. wealth. And that's all of these kind of fall into this if we're not... If we, if we can't love our brother, if we're setting our heart against our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's going to be one of these reasons why. Either we're too prideful, or we have anger towards them, or we're jealous of them, uh, you know, or we're too busy focusing on amassing things for ourselves that we're not looking at the needs of others. We're too lazy to help, or we're just too greedy. All of these things are, are, um, are symptoms 
of the sin of of unbelief and of not loving our brother the way that God has commanded us to. And they lead to the very fact that we begin to practice things that are sin and mm -hmm. lawlessness instead of practicing righteousness. Mm -hmm. If we're practicing righteousness, we don't we we shouldn't be having problems with pride and jealousy and gluttony and uh, being lazy workers and dealing with greed and having issues of deep anger. Mm -hmm. Listen, this book uh, that's called Fatal Distractions, um, Conquering Destructive Temptations, six-week Bible study, no homework, is available on our website. And if any of these things uh, for you tonight were... Uh, the Holy Spirit was speaking to you saying, you know what, I think I'm dealing with a couple of these things. This book is for you. But if you also uh, are thinking, you know, I, I know some others that might benefit from this book, then I, I think you should order this book. And you should go online to the website, preceptministries.ca, and order it. So just before we go, we want to tell you uh, a couple of things that are happening at the ministry because God is really at work. And I honestly feel like we have a ton of stuff going on. And we want to make sure that you know about it and you tell other people about it because uh, that's really important. Precept grows by word of mouth. And so uh, the more you talk about it, the more we talk about it, the more people get involved. What's happening we've in July? got the summer study week. We've, we're going to be studying Zechariah for the week of July 9th to the 14th. So that'll be uh, every day coming into the office and, and discussing with, uh, with us and other people who have been doing that study. Um, so that'll be uh, every day of the week. We're also going to have at the same time going on um, leader training. So if you're interested in becoming a PUP leader, uh, we'll have that, uh, the qualification training for you as well going on in the afternoons during those days. Uh, we're also doing a ton of other training that week, we're going to have a refresher for PUP leaders. Uh, so if you're a leader and uh, you'd like some more uh, some more training, that'll be there for you. Also planning and leading precept upon precept discussions. Personally, some of the best training I think we've got for, for PUP leaders um, really does a good job of, of building up that confidence in how to lead those discussions really well. Very good training. We're also going to be training on how to study and how to lead a 40-minute. We're going to be going through the Breaking Free from Fear 40-minute. So if you have any questions about that, all the information is going to be up on the website, uh, and you can begin registering for that as well. All right, and uh, two more things we want to tell you about. July, uh, we do a summer study challenge for uh, the entire ministry. We challenge everybody in Canada to join, join us in studying a book together. We have online classes, or you can meet with your class and uh, this year we're doing the book of James. Oh, James. Really excited about doing the book of James. Just re-released, updated, and uh, so if you want to join us for that, that starts after Canada Day. And uh, the end of the summer, last year, we loaded up a bus. You weren't here. No, we loaded up a bus, there. filled it with people, and we went on a road trip down to Kentucky, and we visited the Creation Museum, we had uh, a wonderful lecture from one of the um, uh, creation scientists at um, the Creation Museum. And then we explored uh, the life size to the biblical measurement of cubits, uh, Noah's Ark. And so we're heading down there again, August 22nd to 25th. Uh, if you are interested and want to be a part of the bus tour, uh, you need to register as soon as possible. 
For all the information about what's happening at the ministry, you can find it online. And two online, if you're interested in um, doing uh, being part of the podcast or going back and checking it out, we've got a link at the top of the website called Unlocking the Truth, and you can be a part of that as well. And we will be doing a podcast through the summer on the book of James. So make sure you... Uh, check it out and uh, follow along in the study of first john so that's everything we've got for you we are so excited that you uh, were joining us and being a part of what we are doing again if you need to um, uh, get into a bible study please do so fatal distractions a fantastic study you can pick it up uh, book of james plenty of opportunities or if you'd like to find a class in your area you can go on our website and get to the class locator and you can find classes near you. All right. So uh, again, why don't you share all of this information with those that um, uh, are in your circle, in your Bible study, and in your social media, uh, and pass on the information. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you um, in June, live on camera again, as we launch our summer study program in the book of James. Awesome. See you then. See you later. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.